If you'd like to listen to Radio Free Brooklyn when you're not in front of your computer, please consider downloading our free mobile app for iPhone and Android available in the App Store for iPhone or the Google Play Store for Android. Please be sure to subscribe to our monthly newsletter for the latest news about new programming and upcoming RFB events. You can sign up at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash newsletter. This is Olivia Whalen popping her podcast cherry on Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. It is time to get embarrassed with us. Welcome once again to another edition of Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. Hi to you, whomever you may be. My name is Alan Danziger, and I am sans Will Hasty this week, but gaining our ferocious mic presence, Rachel Teichman. Hello. I'm back. You made it back. I'm back, and I'm just the same as ever. Ooh, you were feeling a little bit ill for a minute, but you're not ill anymore. Uh, Are you still ill? Yeah, I'm still coughing a little bit, but I'm, okay. I'm good. I'm good. Ah, uh, we should have given the mic a hat. You know, like a plastic cover or something. Like a mask, like a surgical mask? Yeah. That would be hot. I know they have them at the other studio. They don't have them here in the rec room, but that's okay. We go hard here. You know what? This is my new kink. <laughs> okay. we'll, we'll, we'll chat about more of that uh, after. It's <laughs> a part of our aftercare. Um, this is the weekly dig into your old sounds of the past. Our uh, way to connect the dots between then and now. And our, all of our episodes are even up for you to listen to. Um, they're probably as old as some of the clips you're going to be hearing today on the show. Uh, if you want to listen to our past episodes, we're up on SoundCloud as well as Apple Podcasts and our website where you can look at all of our episodes as released by the megaphone player, radiofreebrooklyn.org slash L-A-R and look and listen with a click of a button any and all of our past episodes going all the way back to what, like 2013? No. 2014. All the way back to 2014? No, no, not necessarily. 2016, because that's when we started here on Radio Free Brooklyn. And it's been almost four years. Can you believe it? I cannot believe it. Four years ago, you were starting college. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. What a what a world we live in now. Four years later. Five years? How old am I? I don't know. It's okay. 2015. Yeah. Yeah. 2016 is when this show began, but Radio Free Brooklyn has been going on for five years. Wow. Did you know that it's our five-year anniversary on Radio Free Brooklyn? Tell me more. Why don't you tell more? I would love to tell you more. Radio Free Brooklyn's Drive to Five fundraising campaign, it's underway. In May, RFB turns five years old, and we need to raise $25,000 so we can continue bringing you commercial-free independent radio for another five years. Because we think raising money should be fun, each month we'll be bringing listeners fun challenges with some great prizes. The first is a trivia quiz to find out just how well you know RFB. The top five scorers will win a limited edition five-year anniversary RFB t-shirt. You can also dial 718-673-8201 to leave us a message letting us know why you love RFB or to wish us a happy birthday. Your message may be played on the air. Amazing. We are so fortunate to be 
able to be a part of this glorious community organization and all the programming that you can hear here other than Lost and Rewound, we assure you, is just as if not more professional than the show that you're about to listen to for the next 50 some odd minutes. Um, But we hope you enjoy it regardless. We are here in the rec room kicking it on a Thursday. Let's get down to biz and see who is our guest this week. Olivia Whalen is a New York-based actor who has appeared on TV, stage, and the interweb. That's right, the interweb. Our friend just got back from a play she helped produce in Puerto Rico, and currently she continues to produce, write, and perform when not otherwise working at Marymount Manhattan. Olivia is on the production team for The Unknown, a Washington Heights-based collective that creates web content. Welcome to the show, Olivia. Hi, thank you for having me. It is a pleasure to have you here in the studio. We're sorry that Will couldn't be here, but uh, he is your connect to this uh, operation. Yes, yes, he is. How did you meet Will Hasty? I met Will through a friend at Marymount, actually. I work oh, at Marymount, yes. yeah, but I also went there as a student. I graduated in 04, and one of the girls in my class was a girl named Julia Lindenthal. Very lovely girl, very funny, very extreme. Um and we've been reconnecting now as grown-ups many years later. I met Will at her birthday party this past year. Right on. Well, welcome to the show. And thank you. Thank you for being here to uh, share Sounds of Old, which we will listen to <laughs> later. Um, oh, boy. Seems like uh, you are working on multiple different projects right now. You're from New York originally. I am from New York, born when and did, raised. When did you ever not have a project you were working on? Oh, that's a good question. I think... I've always had something going on, but there have been periods where I'm, I'm maybe doing more producing, less acting, sure. less writing. What came first? Acting came first. Acting came first. Mm-hmm. Are your parents involved in the theater arts as well? Yes, they are. My mother is an actress as well. She was actually in, she had a small part in The Irishman. Wow. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, Which part? She was in the scene where they announced that JFK has been shot. No way. She's one of the women in the background. She's got kind of like a bowl haircut nice. and glasses on. Hell yeah. Yes. Amazing. Yes. It was very cool. She's been in movies that have gone to film festivals recently and she did stuff on Broadway when she was a kid. She modeled. I definitely get some of the acting bug from her. And then my father, he's a colon rectal surgeon, but he's very funny. He's he loves to do imitations. He comes from a family of actors, so he does. He he does. Yeah, he he could be an actor. It's just he ended up being a doctor. So. He ended up being a doctor. He went a different path, and he certainly could have continued on with the family tradition. I think so. I and I, but I think he did have a true calling to be a doctor, and he also. He incorporates his sense of humor into, you know, in the way he deals with his patients. The first time he was on TV um, promoting the kind of technology he uses for uh, his surgery, which is it's it's a kind of proctology which uses 
I won't get too into this, but it's basically the idea is that you use. No, please do. Yeah, I want to hear about this. <laughs> All right, fantastic. Free plug for my dad. So laparoscopy <laughs> is a is a basically yes 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 yes. I think I think we covered it. Right. So <laughs> laparoscopy is a technique basically where instead of making large incisions in a patient's belly, you make tiny ones and then you insert a camera. And you can operate looking, basically looking in, through the, in the skin through the camera, and you avoid making this huge gash, which takes a lot of time to heal and takes a lot more out of the patient. Yeah. So when my dad, when my dad was, uh, this is, it's pretty popular now, but back in the 90s when he was, this was a new technology, he got interviewed on the news to be, they were just research, you know, they were doing like a Fox 5 thing and they showed him operating and they filmed him for two hours as they usually do for those specials and then the 30 seconds that they showed were him doing a sylvester stallone accent while he was operating on somebody <laughs> Adrian, <laughs> we're gonna go get you make an incision gonna make this it'll make a count Adrian. um that's my terrible sylvester stallone that sounds everybody. just like my dad and just like sylvester stallone you, yes all in one all in one i <laughs> I was going to say, uh, you have siblings then? No, actually. I'm you are the only child. Only child. So yes. plenty of attention given to you. Mm-hmm. And when did the acting bug bite you? When I was 12 years old, I was asked to audition for a play at the boys' school, uh, the which is Browning. What was our brother's school? I see. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And that was my first time realizing that I really liked this. I was invited with four other girls. And I also realized that this was a way to meet boys. So that was a big part of me. Where did you go to school? I went to Marymount. Oh, for the uh, heist for... Oh, man, ever since I was from kindergarten to 12th grade. Oh. So I was there for a very long time. I see. Was mm-hmm. this an all-girls school? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. And I was I was honestly born pretty boy crazy. Yeah. So by the time I was 12, I was I was raring to meet a guy. And they, you know, this was... I liked the acting part of it, but it was also exciting that I was going to get to talk to people of the opposite sex and try to figure that out. I mean, what other opportunity would there be for somebody who's in a huge city, like for some kind of social engagement to meet people of the opposite sex, you know? That was your way of doing it. Yeah, you nailed, you nailed it on the head. That's right. I am an actor by trade, although I certainly by no stretch am as active as you or anybody for that matter that I talk to these days. I get it. Act if sure that was well done. <laughs> no, um, so for what it may be worth, when I was younger, um, I grew up upstate, so I oh, okay, got a chance to do some acting in Woodstock, New York. <gasps> that is um, so cool, and That's it, awesome. very, very artistic community. But uh, again, like you know, when you're there in a place that's more rural, it's a little easier to have a lot of different activities that you can sort of bounce mm. between. I, I found myself personally gravitated towards acting the most. Was there any other activities when you were, you know, in middle school, high school that mm-hmm. overtook your attention maybe, or was it always, you were always super focused? I was always pretty excited. I, I think I knew early that I wanted to be an actor. I did Figure skating as well, but you I did. I did do figure skating, but that wasn't something that I was super, that I was very passionate about. What made you decide to get into figure skating? My parents. Your parents, yes. were like okay. So the picture sets that that's that set is that <laughs> of between acting and figure skating, your parents were like. 
we're gonna breed her to like, or we're gonna um, breed her. Not breed. What's her pedic? We're gonna like <laughs> a groom. Pedi- groom exactly. Groom her to like to be the most like amazing figure skater. And then if she wants to be an actor, she could do that on because she's amazing. But like, we'll pay for her figure skating classes. I wouldn't say that it went exactly like that. I, I started figure skating when I was six years old, so I was very I was younger. Amazing. So it's been, it's been a part of my life for a long time. I was kind of lazy as a kid, so I think it's good that my dad did push me to just be consistent with something and learn not to quit and not to give up. And I was a I was a skinny kid. I wasn't. They were worried about me gaining weight, and it. I only performed twice in the entire fifteen years that I was figure skating. It was more about me just being consistent, having something to do on Friday and Saturday mornings. And I think my parents also realized that I was growing up in a very competitive world, and they wanted me to have a solid college application. Were you going on more auditions when you were younger, or were you seeing more shows? Like, were you mm. were you were you did you was there a pretty good like uh, balance between the shows that you were trying to get into and the shows that you were just simply there to soak in and learn from? Definitely was seeing more shows, and I I have to hand it to my parents because they they kept me very innocent. You know, they they didn't push me to go on auditions. I only started auditioning professionally honestly, after college. Okay. So mostly I just, the stuff that, you know, I lived and died by whatever we did at Marymount and um, what part I got or did not get. But I'm grateful that my parents didn't push me in that respect because it maintained my innocence. When you had the opportunity to go to different schools, you wanted to stay in the city no matter what for college. You know, I actually really wanted to go to Skidmore and it was like a big, I did not want to go to Barnard at all. But, and I think that was because my parents wanted me to go there. And then, um, I got waitlisted and then I realized, actually, I'm kind of sad that I didn't get into this place and I went to visit Skidmore and I, I felt I'd be kind of bored there. So I got off the waitlist and I said, you know what, this is where I want to go. I was also an awkward kid, so it took me time to come out of my shell. Yeah, you, you know? talk a little bit more about this. Uh, you, you kept saying that you were lazy, you were awkward. Uh, I, I'm having a really hard time conceptualizing what this meant um, because it seems like you were pretty driven from all the activities you had too. I went to, all right, well, I think Marymount did help that since it's in a school and it drives you. It's a college prep school, so I think right. it definitely. I, I should probably clear that up because um, sure. Marymount Manhattan is a college as well. Yes. And you went to the prep school, exactly. which is connected with it for high school. Yes. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. They fostered a pretty, re, re, not, a ri, not a rigorous program per se. I was pretty rigorous. It mean, was for, rigorous. I think for me it was, rig- for me it was. I, for some people, there's other Private, sc- private schools that are girls' schools that are um, considered more intense academically. Oh, sure. My wife went to one of them. Oh, really? Which one? <laughs> Rarely. Okay, yes. That was the one that was <laughs> a couple notches above ours, so sure. to speak. Well, I mean, it's Spence and Shaven. I mean, there's and Nightingale, Branford. I mean, there's all... There's so of many of them. So them. many of them, there's yeah. so, But for me, Marymount was very, very challenging. And I was a smart kid, but it was a lot of work. And I honestly, as a kid, was kind of scattered. And I, I, my parents aren't incredibly organized, so I wasn't brought up with habits as far as how to organize myself, how to structure my thoughts, or expressing myself is fine. We're Irish. We're always talking about how we feel, mm-hmm. but um, and Italian. But we, I think Marymount, I was around other girls who were competitive, and they were doing things on the weekend, and I saw that they were working hard at certain stuff. So it did kind of encourage me to become more like that. And, but my dad, I really was lazy, though, as a kid. Like All I wanted to do was just sit in front of the TV, and I didn't want to do homework. And I remember- Relatable. I- <laughs> maybe this would be relatable too i used to hide under the kitchen table to stop myself from doing homework so my mom wouldn't bother me that's a big kitchen table that is extremely relatable really <laughs> yeah all right all right girlfriend yeah all right was there a moment before 
you realized that this actually was what you wanted to do where somebody mm-hmm. actually told you someone in the family and caught it and caught you like in a moment where you weren't even like pur- pur- purposely trying <laughs> to act but you definitely were it was like a moment where like uh, like a family function hmm I don't think anyone was surprised when I started acting. It was it was like such a I was always I feel like the the cliched stuff. I was putting on little plays in my room. Yeah. I was extreme. I loved making up stories. Did you have imaginary uh, friends? I tried. Yeah. It didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I'm, I'm thinking of like when I would go to like family reunions and there we it was a very musical family, still is. Oh, okay. Um and I th- remember one time I sang, <laughs> I sang the rose at like a family reunion or something. Um, oh, wow. It was really funny. I actually, I don't remember if that was me or some other cousin, but I definitely sang something that was very like, like pop canon. And people are like, yeah, that's, that's very odd brand for 11 year old Alon. <laughs> um, could you, uh, but uh, again, so not to press this, but I, I am curious if like there were certain moments uh, that, Whereas, like you were, you know, making plays in your room, you uh-huh. had a a breakout moment where you uh, found yourself either unwittingly or doing it for sure, uh, purposefully uh, breaking out your sort of creative juices in a public setting. Okay, I do have something, and it's kind of similar to yours. Okay, so we had this assembly every year where students would share what they had been learning musically, and it would be. Piano or singing or violin or whatever. Oh my god! I think I was like nine or something. Okay, and that's a that's a that's a very touchy time. It is a t- yeah. It is a touchy time. So I mentioned that I was like not very organized as a kid, and I had a good voice. So I decided like a week before this thing was coming that I wanted to sing "Memory" from Cats. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> not topical at all. Go on. I know. I know. I am I was, wearing a cat t-shirt currently right you now. You are. You are. And I was just. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm cutting you off your story. You sounded just like Sylvester Stallone. I sounded just like Jennifer Hudson. <laughs> let me tell you. Continue. I have a lot of questions, but go on. <laughs> and I, it was funny because I was thinking about this recently because Cats the movie has come out. So I met with my choir director. I was in choir too. That was another okay. tip off that I like to be Very you know, musical. Chamber or show? chamber yeah yes yeah man yeah chamber it was church choir okay yeah and then so one of my teacher my choir master uh reviewed the song with me and he was like all right you know you sound pretty good and then i brought it to this performance thing that we were having on friday without really giving anyone a heads up and i'm like i want to sing this and someone was able to play the piano but it was very last minute it wasn't as you know we were supposed to give these things ahead of time give people a heads up of course yeah i mean they could probably do sight reading if they have to but like that's not really what a nine-year-old does to their choir teacher exactly exactly oh this was and this was the day of the performance actually (laughs) oh dear yes so i went to the choir master first he gave me an hour of like lessons essentially and then on the day of the performance at school it was a friday i remember just saying i'm doing this and I was someone, they found a teacher who could sight read decently. And that was that. Was that ever recorded? Oh, no. You're, you're glad about this. I kind of would love to see it. Were your parents very into like recording your performances when you, they would go and see you? Did they like have a camera? They were always into documenting their daughter's uh, work when it was being performed or even mm-hmm. when it was just like a chamber or require, yeah. They, we did not have our shit together enough to have a camcorder <laughs> in the audience. But again, I kind of like that about my parents. They were, they were still at every single show. They made everything. 
very supportive and always making time to support yeah. you. And when you are getting to this place where you can actually collaborate even with um, your father or with your mother because they mm-hmm. both seem like they really latched on to that part about you that really loves to perform mm-hmm. and it seems like you could definitely um, collaborate with them on a, on that sort of tip. Were you ever going to perform with your mother on, and, and like do some kind of project mm-hmm. that involved the two of you acting together? It hasn't happened yet, but I would really like for it to happen. Yeah. And I, one with my dad, we would make up stories together. We of different characters that were in movies. We'd create our own version of those stories and the original fanfic. Yeah, that's true. Actually, it was like a uh, Basil from Five Goes West. I think that's the right character, and like Aladdin and Iago. But then like someone from Little Mermaid, and like we just put all these things together. And then we, we remember once we were writing it down on a legal pad. I'm, I'm obviously not my dad. You know, I'm a very I'm very different than him. You guys don't know him, but I'm you know we're all different from our parents. Are your parents originally from the city? They are. They're both from the city. But it took me time to realize that my funny and my way of telling stories is acceptable too. It's not like my father's. I'm not a laugh a minute kind of a person. But when I think it's honestly only in my 30s now where I've come to the fact it's like, okay, I'm not funny like my mom. I'm not funny like my dad. I'm funny like I am. And they inspire the storytelling in me. They inspire the acting. But I need to embrace it the way that I do it. I can't do it the way that they do it. Being continuously objective about your upbringing and be still close with them and know that you have to define your own career. You have to make your own career. Set yourself apart from the influences that you were raised with. Exactly. It takes a lot of strength to be able to do that. Thank you. Talk a little bit more about the spirituality, uh, how you got from... I know that the tagline from there to here in so much as where you were obviously raised with more of a, probably a little more of a basic Christian upbringing, not to mm-hmm. sound, not, not to make it sound like basic. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag, basic. Hashtag so, hail where, Mary basic bitch. Where, <laughs> you, your mouth, not mine. I'm <laughs> honestly not even sure what I just said, but like, like hashtag. No, Mary. I know what I oh, said. Okay. I don't really know what that means. Where did the spirituality uh, take shape of into the place that it is now? After I graduated from college, I was ready to hit the ground running. I was ambitious. I wanted to go on auditions and get cast in things. All of it, yeah. All of it. Get all me of the it. agent. Get me the gigs. Exactly. Get me all of it. I was writing. I you was watching my I was backstage singing. profile. There it is. There right it is, there. man. That's real. <laughs> well, that's and that's what I felt like it was all about. And I was going to these casting calls at like six in the morning, and sure. I was going to these auditioning for student films. And I would get every something once in a while. But at the end of that first year out of college, I was like, I'm in a worse place than I was beforehand. How so? Like I felt emotionally, I didn't, I knew less about who I was. I felt like I was lost. It's because you were just trying to do too much? I was definitely trying to do too much, but I also, I wasn't really doing anything for myself. I was trying to do comedy in a way that my college friends would have thought was funny. How, what does that mean? Like... I was one way I got into writing was I joined a sketch comedy group in college called Shout Out, which was so much fun. And it was like a bulk of my social interactions when I was in college. Um, and a lot of the stuff we did, it was kind of like UCB, I was like UCB baby, I would say it was like a junior version of that. We loved irony. We loved sarcasm. We loved doing bits with each other, but they weren't very structured. But we just had fun and we put these shows on in the whichever student hall it was and we got good audiences. So that was where I was coming from. And I was, and also this, this drive to be like, I'll do anything to be the funny girl. I'll make out with girls to be the funny girl. I'll take off my clothes to be the funny girl. Like I felt like that's what made me good was that I would do anything to be entertaining. Being uh, ambitious and being um, 
courageous and brave with your decisions. Courageous and brave, but it came from a place of desperation at that point of like, hmm. I really, I really wanted to be in the show. I really need to be liked. I auditioned for a porn once by accident. Um, okay. Dude. I'm interested. I, yeah, yeah, I, know, yeah. I, like. I don't think you can get out of this one. You got, you got, to, you got to talk about that a little more. <laughs> All right. Well, this was, uh, I was, uh, okay, so I was about 23 and there was a casting call in New York casting for, it said something really vague, like this is a classical project. This is New York want- casting.com. I think it was what cast whatever the the one is like yeah. you know like casting networks or something. Okay. Okay. And um, it sounded creative. It was like we want some nude models. We're gonna do a classical based story. And I was like, okay, yeah, that sounds cool. Like now I would not I would not take off my clothes unless I don't know if I would take off my clothes even if you're paying me money. But um, that doesn't sound great either. But anyway, so I was like, this is great, cool. I would do that. And I arrived and they wanted you to show up in a bikini and I obliged without really asking any questions. Like I arrived there, changed to my bathing suit, walked into the audition. Uh, I think I was wearing high heels too. And I read this the copy and it was just awful. It was like, oh no, spirit, thou hast entered into my bedroom. What shall I do now? Take off my garments. Like I, I don't know why I was included at this point that this was a porn, but I got a call back. So... I went to the callback, which was in the middle of somewhere in Brooklyn, somewhere in this borough. It was at eight in the morning. It was in an empty apartment and they wanted me to bring lingerie. So I arrived there and something in my mind is starting to go, Olivia, this may not be where you want to be right now. I don't don't think this is such a good idea. So I get there. The guy opens the store to this empty apartment. I totally could have been killed there if he wanted to. Um, and he's telling me to get, you know, get dressed and get into my lingerie where I'm, when I'm going to do my audition and be on tape. And I start asking him questions. I'm like, so what kind of film festivals is this project going to be going to? He's like, um, this is going straight to video. This is not going to film festivals. And I w- was asking about what the plot is going to be. And he, it was that I was going to be kind of uh, seduced by this invisible entity. And then I'd end up seducing him and like would be on top so to speak but they would make the man invisible by putting this gel on him so it basically would be a a scene where i am i'm being made love to and making love to someone who's invisible wearing no clothes or lingerie this is like i i (laughs) it's creative if nothing else (laughs) i yeah i I, i'm trying to think of something witty and i cannot this is like this writes itself is this uh, yeah and i um and I, so I kind of like nodded and something in my brain is saying, like, Olivia, this, you need to get out of here. Abort, this, is, yeah. this is not good. Get out of there. So I go to the bed, but because I'm, um, you know, I have this, this side of me that wants to people please. And I feel like I always need to say yes to everything. I, it's hard for me. So I go in the bathroom and I'm changing into like my little strappy tank top that I bought for this audition. And I just said, you know, you need to, like something said, you need to get out of here. Like this is not where you want to be. And I put my clothes back on. I went out to the um, the guy who was auditioning in this empty apartment, this creepy empty apartment, and I said, you know what? This isn't the right project for me. I'm sorry, but I got to go. So that it plays into that, I guess it talks about that desperation I kind of had, that eagerness to please and to be performing. But that was also a turning point for me because I realized it's okay for me to say no. And I don't need to be a part of every project. That story is monumental, first of all. I know I say that a lot, and I think Rachel has another word for that, too. <laughs> yeah, please. Please do share what your word is for. I would say that that was a really flaming tale. <laughs> 
you are uh, overseeing your own productions, and uh, you have this uh, carte blanche, effectively, uh, to create and green light all these ideas. How did this come to pass? Well, okay, so that does segue into my spirituality. A year after my porno audition, and um, this year of college where I was at this year of trying to be fat, discovered, so to speak, and just feeling like I'm losing myself as a person, as an artist, I was reacquainted with a friend of mine who had mentioned having a spiritual teacher when I'd met her. At the time, I was interested, but I didn't really ask about it. And I was seeing her a year later, or we, we were in a play. It was being revived. I was in this place where I felt very lost. And I was looking at her, and she seemed like she was better than she was before. And I thought, I want that. I want to be on the upswing of things. And the shrinks aren't doing it. The doctors aren't doing it. So let me give this a shot. So I met with my teacher. She's now my teacher. Her name's Guru Enlightenment, but she's also, you know, she's a hard-ass Puerto Rican mom. Like, she'll kick you in the ass and tell you exactly what your bullshit is. And her gift is that she can talk to spirits and they will gossip about you and tell you tell her what your issues the are. The spirits are gossiping about you. Amazing. Yeah. They Yep. The spirits will gossip about you. They'll tell you, they'll tell her, or they'll, anybody who can communicate with them, they'll tell them your, your shit and, like, what you do and what you think, you know, the I ways you get over. I was hearing voices this whole time. And now I know that those voices are just a bunch of fucking spirits talking shit. They're about just you. talking shit, man. Fuck. Damn. <laughs> All right. Um, but careful, you'll start to sound like one of my clients. Uh oh. Careful. <laughs> careful. What do you do for a living? <laughs> She's in grad school. Oh, okay. <laughs> but for social work. Okay. Okay. Ah, gotcha. Yes, and there's a. You definitely have to be aware of that too. There are people out there who claim to be guides and claim to be, you know, spiritual, and they want your money. They want you to yeah, control see that, them. I think that would, was would probably going to be my next question. Is is how did you not think that this was going to be yet another situation that you get yourself into where mm-hmm. you like, like you're jumping in and saying yes? Like, what about this tells you I should say yes to this and not no? I saw my friend, and I saw that she didn't. It didn't seem like she was controlled by this. And that it was dominating her life, but it was something that was helping her. So that was a big part of it. And then, honestly, I got lucky. I was—I I dove into a group of people where it wasn't about control. It's about finding yourself. It's about finding your journey. Our teacher, the thing she says at the end of her first session with you is, don't believe in what I say, believe in what you see. And she will always say to us as well that you can't be dependent on me because I'm not going to be here for the rest of my life. So that we have to become our own masters, our own guides, and find the answers within us. How did this uh, come to pass to create the Unknown Web Series? So I began seeing Guru as a student. I be I became close with the other students that who were seeing Guru as well, and most of them were actors and writers. And over time, we started collaborating together. And then in the past two years, we we, d- we did plays together. We would did do a couple podcasts or like like radio shows together. I wasn't a part of those, and then different projects. And then it came to this. Uh, we wanted to make a web series. We wanted to create our own content and write it ourselves. So we started meeting together and our teacher would either give us a topic or we'd come in with a script that we wrote, but it has to be short. First of all, it can't be, you know, 10 pages long and it has to come from something true that happened in your life. It can't be something that it has to come from a place of truth, essentially. Was there one particular story um, that is something that did happen to you that uh, someone could take a look at? That will be an episode that's coming out in season three. Oh, nice. So, so you already have two in the can. We have two seasons in the can. Beautiful. Oh, and actually, no, no. Uh, season In season two, I wrote an episode. I'm not in it. But, but you wrote it, though. But I wrote it. Okay. And it's basically about a mother talking to a girl who's not her daughter, but who's a close friend of the family. 
And she's talking about how she feels jealous of her daughter's relationship with another mom-like figure. Mm -hmm. And the daughter explains to her that it doesn't take anything away from mom number one. It just means that this person taught her different things. Spidey senses tingling here. Yes, yes. What did your parents think when you told them that you had found this spiritual guide? My mom was very scared and she was worried that I had joined a cult. And over the years, I think when they when they got to meet these people and they got to see that it wasn't anything threatening or negative, they kind of came to accept it. But it was I think it's still difficult for my mom that I have this very powerful woman in my life who I go to for advice and who I go to to create things with, and it's not her. And I can understand, I kind of get that. I'm not a parent, but I would understand that jealousy of being like, well, what the fuck? Like, I raised you, I, I gave birth to you, I fed you, and now all of a sudden this woman walks in and you are you go to her for your answers, you go to her for everything else. So I do feel that I understand that to a certain degree, but I think this episode was my way of, I hope my mom sees it at some point because I don't think she has yet and just realizes that it's not, she did a wonderful job as a mom and it's just that this woman is teaching me other things that weren't her strengths, but that's okay. You know, the fact that she clothed me as a kid, the, the fact that nothing terrible ever, ever happened to me when I was growing up, never. I owe all of that to her, the fact that I'm still an actress, that I was still passionate about what I do. I wouldn't, if without her, I would not be an actor because she was the one who was always pushing me to do it and from a place of love, not from a place of, uh, like a stage mom kind of presence. That's rare. As, yeah. as as our boy Will would say, that kind of unconditional love that you're getting at that age uh, to push for the goals that you have is extremely rare. We we take we take it for granted, but yeah, you're right. In um, my world, we call it protective factors. Okay, that's. I mean, that's a very clinical In term. The world but of I, social work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but, but I, I like it. Protective factors. sounds very warm when you say it that way. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, let's take a quick break. And when we return, we want to uh, dig underneath the surface and get those old time capsule goodies. Yeah. That is our show <laughs> called Lost and Rewound right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Radio Free Brooklyn is a 501c3 nonprofit organization whose mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. To help support our mission, we invite you to make a one-time donation or monthly pledge at radiofreebrooklyn.org slash donate. Every cent helps us to continue to stay on the air. So please support independent community media by pledging whatever you can afford. All contributions are tax deductible to the fullest extent of the law. You can also donate to Radio Free Brooklyn by shopping through Amazon Smile, Amazon's charity initiative where you can shop and support a nonprofit of your choice at the same time. It costs you nothing. Just go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash smile to sign up to have RFB as your donee and start shopping. We have returned, and thank you for sticking around to listen to this rabble-rousing good time every Thursday from the Rec Room, 3 to 4 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, if you want to be on the show, like Olivia Whalen here has been uh, so kindly, generously providing us with her time, uh, you should go ahead and reach out to us because chances are there's something from your archives that will be applicable to the nature of what we're trying to accomplish on the show, and that's just, you know more or less just to be completely uh, objective about our past selves. 
Lost and Rewound at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. And you can uh, pitch us your ideas, any and all of your submissions. And uh, perhaps you can call in or even be here in the studio to record with us. Be so, here. Be here. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? What did you say? What? You were like, be there. <laughs> be there. That's like a perfect like monster truck sort of pitch you got going. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> obviously I know a lot about monster trucks. Yes, you do. Clearly. Olivia, are we ready? I am ready. Tell us about bedtime stories with you. Oh, boy. So that year in between that I talked about uh, my first year after college and I was trying to find my way, I felt like this drive to produce something that people could see. So Way back in 2008, before web series were big, I made my own little web series, which was Bedtime Stories with Olivia. And it's basically me reading something that's that's definitely not a bedtime story and then having some sort of like life lesson that kind of like sneaks into it. Like the, the first one, I read a Black & Decker drill manual. Um, and I forget how it, it, there was like a, a moral in it. <laughs> But like I would have like a, a neighbor come by and the neighbor would be like a like a like a teddy bear or something, but like a cursing teddy bear. It was it was kind of it's a fun reflection, I think, of where I was at that point. Like I, I you know, there's part of me that's very girly, but also not not completely innocent um, and all over the place. I, I haven't watched this. Neither have you, Rachel. No, this will be okay. fun then. Great. Fresh eyes and oh, ears. Boy. Fresh ears for you, the listener. Let's do it. Oh, my goodness. Form W-2 wage and tax statement. 2008, Department of Treasury IRS. Copy to, to be filed for employees, state, city. Oh, hey everybody, I didn't see you come in. Oh, I just got back from a long day of work and I am super tired. I wish I had time to relax, but I can't because I have to fill out my taxes. Gosh, I know it's time for a bedtime story, but I don't know if I have the time to be reading bedtime stories anymore. Not so fast, Olivia! Oh my gosh, you scared me. Hey, everybody, it's, um, it's... Whiny the Pea! Pea Bear! Whiny the Pea! That almost sounds familiar. Like one of my favorite childhood cartoons. Winnie the... Pooh! Winnie the Pooh! You mean that hog-licking frog who stole my bit? No. Never heard of it. Oh. Okay, um, well then, Pea Bear, what brings you here tonight? Well, Olivia, I heard that you weren't telling bedtime stories anymore. Well, Pea Bear, the thing is, I'm a big girl now, and I have to start doing big girl things, like drinking coffee, and filling out W-2 forms, and liking Charlie Rose. Well, just because you're a big girl now, and you have big girl responsibilities, well, it doesn't mean that you have to stop doing the things that you like to do, well, when you weren't so big. Oh, so... Even though I have more adult things to do, it doesn't mean that I have to be have less fun? Precisely. Or, <laughs> should I say, precisely. <laughs> hey, Pea Bear, would you mind if I read a little bit before you go? Is Christopher Robin a story is going to be an excerpt from one of my favorite stories, the takeout menu from the Empire 76 Thai Fusion Restaurant. Once upon a time, Malaysian and Thai dishes served without salt, 
sugar, cornstarch. R5, Buddha plus sesame tofu, snow peas, green beans, baby corn, mushrooms, bean sprouts, and broccoli combined with sesame baked tofu. Continue on next page for more. Arrow, 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 arrow. The end. Wow, P, that brought me back. Thanks for reminding me how much I love telling bedtime stories. You cuddly little tubby. It's Winnie the Pooh, Winnie the Pooh, a squeaky little Anyway, that's all the time we have for tonight. Thanks for tuning in with Bedtime Stories with Olivia, and make sure to join us next time. Bye, guys. All right. Wow. <laughs> when was the last time you saw that? Uh, probably about eight years ago. Okay. Yeah. That what? was flaming. <laughs> that was indeed most flaming. Um, that was the most quintessential 2008. <laughs> Everything about that just screams 2008. And yet it was 2009. So Fine. she's 2000 and late by that point. <laughs> oh, oh, my shit, God. On that boo boo pow, there's that <laughs> whiny the pee, um, who I was voiced by who? Sasha Stewart. Okay, shout out to Sasha Stewart. Shout out to Sasha Stewart. Who, were, was she or you responsible for the beeps that were supposed to go, uh, clearly <laughs> as a way uh, to uh, mask whatever swear words? Who edited this? I did. Okay, okay. and um. That was it. Was that was all my idea? I thought okay. it, I thought it was funny. Yeah, no. Yeah, it was hilarious. But it, it was. was really but I think funny. it's just it's like I didn't. It was very innocent. You know, like you could tell I don't have a ton of experience doing no, this. So. I, I wasn't sure what was happening at first, <laughs> yeah, and then when it came later, I was like, oh, I see. I think I know what that is. No, it it was fine because it was so like irreverent that it didn't matter. You could have just the, the the swear words could have been heard, and then you all of a sudden you just heard like <laughs> yeah. an, an offbeat uh, like beep. <laughs> We should do that more often. We'll just like start talking and then like this word will get entirely <laughs> fuck, fuck, right, fuck. Right, 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 right. Uh, I missed my opportunity. I'm clearly not looking at audacity correctly. Oh, well. <laughs> it's just no way. Yeah, that'd be a fun thing to put in another project of like the, the, the off, the missed like uh, <laughs> censoring. <laughs> censoring the wrong word. <laughs> um, this was really cute, though. I I enjoy. It. Oh yes, there it is. Sasha Stewart as Wit and Whiny the P. Yes. And then um, you filmed this in your. Uh, uh, this was after college. Right after college. Right after college. And where were you living at this point? I was living on one sixty fourth in Fort Washington. Okay. Um. So in the Heights. The the, the the love affair with Uptown began right after. The college. love affair with Uptown just just began right after college. It kept going. It did. It did. It did. And um. I was I filmed this on my laptop and edited it, you know, using iMovie. And Sasha was one of my friends from Columbia. We were in the Chowda Sketch Comedy Group, and now she's she's lovely. What was girl. it called? It was called Chowda. 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 Yes. Chowda, like a, a not like a chowda, but like a chowda. Not a chowder. Chowder. There's no ear or no. Just it's chowda. a chow, chowda. 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 Yes. Chowda. Like they say in Boston. Chowda. They, so, but anyway, Sasha's a she's a successful. She's a Funny girl, also a very good writer and a successful writer. So there's that plug for her. Hey, Sasha. Hey, Sasha. Hi, Sasha. I wanted to address the uh, bedtime story 
because it's <laughs> this is a very truly a remarkable bedtime story. It's a flaming bedtime story. Um, yeah. What did you order from the, the, this Thai place? I, I, did you have a favorite dish? I think I just found the menu and you I was like, it. this is, this works. I love what this I want, works, I want yeah. to know what this Buddha and snow pea thing, what, what was it? Yeah. No cornstarch, no salt, no. Oh, you know what? At that point in my life, I might've been ordering from there because I was very, I was vegan at that point. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. But I think that maybe the Buddha delight was something, was probably something I got. I'm just, I'm fascinated by these names to the point that I, I I'm sure that they don't exist anymore. But one <laughs> thing I've always noticed with, like Thai food restaurants, Chinese food restaurants, um, but especially with Thai restaurants, is, is that they'll always <clears throat> they'll always change up the names of signature dishes, but like a little bit. Yeah. So like mm-hmm. the flat noodle, like Pad Siu, it's not always Pad Siu. Not every Thai restaurant is Pad Siu. Pad right. Siu is like a very like uh, uh, arbitrary um, phonetic way of putting it, and I always like get really tripped up and I'm. Trying to like find where it is and like oh okay oh and then I see like it's it's kind of like that's a restaurant spin on a dish I don't know my people probably will complain that I'm completely bullshitting <laughs> and wrong and they have every right to be um, so email the show if you have a problem because let I, us know I'm yeah. just saying <laughs> public please let me know how you feel about, about Pad Siu and, and its differentials yes I mean there's one thing for sure is is that Pad Thai is always going to be Pad Thai but mm-hmm. a, like a flat noodle or or a wide noodle or a wet noodle or a rice noodle. A wet noodle. A wet noodle. Well, really? They're mostly I like wet. a good wet noodle. <laughs> They're mostly always wet. It's been a while since I've had a wet noodle. Sorry. <laughs> now you know, listener. Use no. your wet noodle. Um, okay, so that's that. And then we have another clip of yours that we're going to listen to. And yes. this one is a character. It is. You like to do, to do characters. I do like to do characters. How often when you, even before you got to college, did you uh, have characters that you liked to imitate? I, I wasn't. Or you like to perfect. Per, that I like to perfect. I th- honestly, that was something that came about after college when I was in the UCB world and I wanted to get picked up as a performer. Did you take UCB classes? I did. I took UCB classes. You went the whole what? The I, whole. The whole. I went the whole what? The and, whole what? <laughs> the whole what? The whole what? <laughs> in the writing and in the improv. Oh, nice. Oh, so you did uh, both uh, improv and sketch writing. I did, and I never. Amazing. I was never. Perf- I was never cast as a performer, but it did get me generating a lot of material. Sure. And like. And then a girl that I was um, working with to to prepare my audition with, she said, you should try Susie Orman. And I was like, I, I didn't even know who she was, but oh, I checked it out and yeah. I, I studied it. There, I have I have three things I can do very well. I can do Jimmy Stewart, I can do Susie Orman, and I can do a Minnesota accent. Like, yes. I want to hear it. I saw the Minnesota accent on the resume. This yes. Is, this, I'm excited <laughs> for it. Yes, let's listen to that and then we'll listen we to can, Susie We can Orman. dive in, yeah. Yeah, because maybe that's a good basis for the Susie Orman uh, motif, which definitely has a little bit of that Midwestern vibe. Yes, it does. So you want me to do it now? Yes. Oh, gosh, I don't know about that. I just kind of putting me on the spot right here. Where are you from? Oh, I'm, from I'm from Minneapolis. Minneapolis? <laughs> yeah. Uh, parents from Duluth, yeah. Yeah. How'd you know? I don't know. It's just a little bit of the colloquial. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. You know, once you're from Duluth, you know you're always from Duluth. That's what they say. <laughs> <laughs> Gee golly. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got. No, that was that was that was, that was lovely. Um, and I, I mean, I can only imagine what a, I don't ever hear what an angry Minnesota a- accent. Oh my god. You know, I feel really heated up over here. You know, I wish you'd talk to me beforehand before you make a decision like that. I just, I'm feeling all sorts of colors right now. I'm just, I'm so angry. I don't even know what to say anymore. 
<laughs> Minnesota is always fascinating to me because that accent, or even North Dakota, like anywhere up in that upper upper area of like the sub Canada, sub exactly. <laughs> It's basically that's what it is, because like the, great way of the accents are so northern uh, up in the that tier of America that it, it may as well just be Canadians. May as well, yeah. May as well. You get some, may get some email complaints about that as well. You get some From some you. weirder. Well, I shouldn't say weirder. You get some different food, really, on mm. the southern part of the Canadian border. Yeah. I, you you know, do, yeah. yeah I, 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 I don't know that kind of food. <laughs> let's, let's take a listen to <laughs> Making Sense with Susie Orman, episode three. You, could, you might want to fast forward past the intro. It's it's a little obnoxious. I, or maybe, we like maybe, obnoxious. All right, well, then maybe actually, yeah. Nope, no, we like obnoxious. All right, all right let's do it, man. On it. Hello, everybody. I'm Susie Orman, and I want you to stop being insensitive and to start making sense. Now, what in the good father's blue sky does trail mix have to do with saving money? Everything. When you are on the go and you do not have the time to be watching the Susie Orman show, this little bag of trail mix will help you wherever you are. For each of the items inside of this bag has a reminder to help you keep saving money. The resourceful almond who is neither peanut butter, nor milk, but can be made into almond milk and almond butter. The raisin, who squandered all his resources and shriveled up when things got hot. The cashew, always smiling or always frowning, depending on how you hold your nuts. The walnut, it looks like a brain, doesn't it? and the filbert, round. If it were to fall off its horse, you bet your fun bucks it would roll. Now, before we conclude the Making Sense series, I want you to remember that you are valuable enough to invest in yourself because your valuable self is investment enough when you value you enough to yourself invest in because yourself in a vest from Target for $9.99 is a great value. Thank you, everybody. Solid. Wow. Solid. <laughs> that was that was really solid. That was in 2013? Uh, 20, 20, 2012. So you... You got there at, right at the beginning of the Karen concept. What's the, the Karen, Karen concept? concept? Like the the current meme of of Karen. It's like just the friend nobody likes that one. Yeah, but like, okay. but no, but like in a really good way, in like a very, very ironic way that I really appreciate. Oh well, thank you. <laughs> I, I think I feel like I'm aging myself. I guess I'm not sure. Yeah, you are just out of college, and I'm not sure what you're talking about. No, but I don't know. What, I, no, no, I don't know what you're talking about either. I'm very fascinated I'm, to know what it, this is. Is this is this something that uh, that I should be knowing about too? Explain to us, millennials, please. 
Karen is like like with the haircut and like the let me speak to your manager like that was the vibe I'm getting from this character. Well, Susie okay. Orman okay. definitely has that because yeah. if you ever watch her on um any I guess MSNBC was her uh was her haunt. Um, I think so. I'm yeah, she would go on, and she would be the kind of woman who would give very aggressive financial advice so what you saw okay. was, was an example of that and one thing i'll always okay remember, so that's what i was missing here the thing, I, uh okay the thing but the here's context the, no it's yeah. okay it's okay the thing that i took away from Susie orman because i you know I, I i don't follow uh talking heads very much uh just the band but not the actual uh-huh. uh people <laughs> who show up on news and tell me what i should be doing when i goddamn know what to do myself okay? i will listen to rachel maddow until i die um, okay, then you should. <laughs> uh, what I was going to say was is that uh, Susie Gorman once was like, don't throw away pennies. You never know when you're going to need a penny. Yeah, 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 exactly. You sh- you, you, like, all you need is that penny, that nickel, that dime. You save that, it'll go a long way. I'm like, my God, you are my grandmother. <laughs> yeah, see, I thought this was your like original... Oh, and I, but I still find it hilarious. Oh well, thank yeah. you. Yeah, well, no, but that's a good perspective because if somebody is hearing this and not have any lick of an idea um, of who this person is, they would still get it because it really is like such a stereotype. I think. Yeah, that you get. it's like that. We, I think we, a lot of us, or that know that kind of intense personality takes over a room and is bossy, but somehow likable at the same time. Beyond, I, I was just really into the absurdity of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you, Thank you. <laughs> from, from personal experience, if you feel free to be honest with this as you want, but sure. uh, you know, um, all bets are off here. Um, how good are you with money? I'm, I would give myself a B plus. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. And would you say that um, you had approached saving money from an early age um, mm. f- from watching, like, you know, your parents, you know, taught you how to, like, you know, get a job or, you know, save your money early on, et cetera, kind of thing. That's no. No. My, my parents, just as they they did not teach me how to organize shit, they were not teaching me how to save money either. Um, but I say that with love. That's uh, fine. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, Thank and I, you. it was something I just kind of figured I, I, I got better as a, better at it as I got older. And I'm not incredibly well-versed in finances, but I just save money. Like, I just yeah. put money away. That one moment you're doing taxes and then a bear is talking to you and then you're it's reading like the, Chinese, the, the Thai food menu. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we, when you're on the same wavelength here. I um, did not come to be very good with finances until I got married, admittedly. Um, it took it took somebody who was much better. But mm-hmm. I think that that's on occasion what comes to pass is, is that when you're with somebody cohabitating and they get it and there's always gonna be one person in the relationship is much better with He's it stronger hopefully it. yeah but, it, but yes it. <laughs> yes rachel yes hopefully we're all optimistic in this room you were saying sorry no it's fine um are you also in a relationship with someone who's who's very savvy with finances i am single okay as single could be just a single cut. A single cut. A single pen. <laughs> um, but realistically, I, I I would probably be the more financially sensible person mm, okay. in the relationship. In I would say in many cases. Oh, good for you. Fair. And Fair. Um, has that been the case with you in the past or as you've gotten older? Or is it th- th- there's a part of you from the past that still kind of lingers around? Definitely. I, I definitely penny pinched to a point where it was ridiculous for a while. And then I kind of went in the opposite direction where I was like, I'm tired of being so cheap with myself. I'm tired of being cheap with other people. 
And I, I wouldn't say I went crazy spending at all, but I just, I got comfortable spending money on myself and spending money on my friends and finding out what's too much and finding out what's too little. But I never had like a total, I didn't binge with it. You know, I didn't get myself into any big trouble. You talk a little bit about uh, how you got to the place that you were going to produce this workout in Puerto Rico because it seems like this talk of money kind of, it feeds into it well because the ability to be charitable and selfless um, really is a part of your, is your power of your being now. Mm. Um, and what kind of work were you creating in Puerto Rico? Uh, this was right after Maria? So my roommate, she moved in with me about three months or four months after Maria. And she's been a spiritual sister of mine for many years. So sure. I've known her for a long time. But this was the first time we were living together. She was recuperating from this in every way you can imagine, just emotionally and, um, you know, physically she was fine. But there's a lot of trauma that she experienced and a lot of, it was difficult. Her, her family was back in Puerto Rico. She was here. She was writing a play about, it wasn't related to the hurricane, but it became a play that had to do with the hurricane. And we, um, because I was her roommate, I heard her working on it. I heard her talking about it. And, you know, she would talk to our teacher about the casting of it. And I offered one time, because I have experience in marketing, I said, why don't I help you with the fundraising part of this and the marketing? She said yes, and I became a producer position, and I I, we, I filled out a bunch of grants for her. It's out of a love for our friendship and out of a love for her that I want to do it. Like, it's if, if someone paid me to do it, I would do it. But for my friends or for my spiritual family, it's something I would do probably for free, you know, if I could. We always have a lot of fun together, and we do write together. The, 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 the episode of The Unknown is actually an episode we wrote together. So it is, it's also, again, we're part of the same production team, The Unknown team. Um, we're directed by our teacher, but we all work together, and we, we interact with each other, and we create together, and we think together. When uh, this new season comes out, mm -hmm. It'll be up on YouTube. Yes. Is it going to be up anywhere else? Um, You'll be, if you go to, uh, not on any other platform aside from YouTube, but it'll also be on my teacher's website, which is www.guruenlightenment.com. And you have your own personal website as well. I do. My own personal website, and I should, I should put the unknown episodes up there too, is www.oliviawhalenax.com. Olivia Whalen here on LNR courtesy of Mr. Will Hasty, who couldn't be here this week. And we uh, are, are privileged uh, to be in your presence. Uh, this has been a really wonderful hour with you. It's been really fun. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. Um, and please come back again sometime and uh, share some more uh, delightful bedtime <laughs> stories and uh, financial tips and spiritual uh, advice with us. And um, pornography auditions. Please. Yeah. Or, or not. I, I mean, that was a flash in the pan, I hope. <laughs> But it, you hope, but, right? But so. more embarrassing stories, I'm sure, <laughs> where that came from. Yes, yes, there are. We have to go. And Rachel, thank you very much for being here with me on this hour. You are so welcome. If you want to be a part of our 200th episode and you want to uh, send us uh, some funny sample, you can send it like a minute worth of audio, email the show Lost and Rewound at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. And the, again, episode of Live 200 Experience is January 30th from 3 to 4 p.m. That'll do it for us this week on LNR. We wish you a happy rest of your Thursday. Enjoy the rest of the week, and we'll catch you here next week on Radio Free Brooklyn. Bye-bye. Bye. This is like when you're like in school and the classroom next to you is making a ton of noise <laughs> <laughs> and the teacher walks next door. Guys, can you keep it down? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
trying to look at slides, okay? Mr. Danzig, can I go to the bathroom? <laughs> No, I, that was a joke. Okay. okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I got it. <laughs> it was actually next door. So It was. Is it a band? No, it was a guy. It was like an artist. Oh. Okay. Olivia. You know those artists. Yeah. 